Hello everyone, Cecil Martin here. Hey, this is Hunter Henry. What's up, man? This is Max Crosby, part of Raider Nation. Hey, this is Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Hey, it's Tyler Lockett of the Seattle Seahawks. Hey, this is Jerry Judah, wide receiver for the Denver Broncos, and you're listening to the 14-yard NFL podcast. Welcome in everybody, Super Wildcard Weekend of 2022's NFL season in the books. I wonder how long they're going to persist with it calling it Super Wildcard Weekend. Well, I think we're kind of used to these extra games now, aren't we? But uh, Super Wildcard Weekend as it still is, like I say, all said and done, we are down to the final eight. And myself and Steve are going to break it all down. Josh, having a well-earned rest after a busy week. But Steve, welcome in, mate. How's things going? Yeah, all good. It's a big action-packed weekend of uh, of NFL of Super Wildcard Weekend. Sorry, I'll use it by its its full name. Um, uh, yeah, lots to talk about. Lots of uh, a couple of shocks, couple of uh, couple of players that perhaps weren't as good as we thought they were. A couple of teams that were as uh, as meager as we thought they'd be. And um, and uh, and Tom Brady goes no further. So some a very very big weekend uh, with some really really tasty games to come. But we'll get to that, I'm sure. We will indeed. Let's go through them chronologically. That seems the most logical way to do them. Seems a long time ago now that I was sat on my sofa watching the Seahawks and the 49ers. Um, I've got to say it was a really really entertaining game. I think everybody probably felt that at the half. It was obviously a lot closer. Yeah. Than people anticipated, certainly as we reached the halftime interval. But obviously, in the second half, the class of the San Francisco 49ers shone through. Um, you know, they pulled away on the scoreboard at one stage, there were as many as 41 points to 17 up. Obviously, ends as a 41 23 final score. So, I wouldn't say necessarily, you know, people expected to be such a blowout, an 18 point win. But I think most people heavily favoured San Francisco, mate. And in the end, like I say, class ultimately told in this one, didn't they? Yeah, it's, it's, it was almost a bit of a shame, really, that it, that it ended the way it did, because I don't think 41-23 is quite representative of the game itself. San Francisco scored 18 points in the fourth quarter. I think you could tell by that point that the Seattle were just almost down and out. They knew, you know, by the by sort of 10 minutes left in the fourth, they knew that this was not coming back. And they had a couple of, I think, three and outs in the fourth quarter, and it just, it just didn't quite look like there was, you know, they were... Um, they weren't for the fight anymore. Um, I know for for Seattle to 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 get their feet. I don't know. They only were held to a field goal, but there was obviously the fumble uh, in the second half, and then there was the interception, which was just you know um, the first pass of the drive from the twenty five, where he, he intends to throw it to Tyler Lockett, and Geno Smith gets picked um, by Lenore, who's who actually had quite a decent game after he was targeted in the first half quite a lot. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a shame for it to end that way. I thought actually, I actually thought Gino played quite well. I thought that the Seattle Seahawks gave a really good account of themselves. You know, I think the Seahawks are up there for a surprise of the season. Like, I don't think anyone, I think a few people have them, you know, in their number one pick sort of candidates. And here they are in the playoffs. I think they've thrived and did the Gino's sort of leadership this season. And they've got a really young, a good young roster in the terms of like, you know, some players coming up like Tariq Woolen and, 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 and those sorts of players. Um, they're definitely well stocked for for next season to make a run of it, especially as they've got the third pick. Uh, sorry, is it, uh, the third or um, 
sorry, there's fifth. They've got the fifth pick in the draft, so they're going to restock quite well. As for San Francisco, um, yeah, you're you're spot on. The, the quality just shone, shone through. I don't even think Brock Purdy played all that well. Like his first half, he was dreadful. He really wasn't great. But their squad is just so talented. You know, if he's not throwing it to Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk, he's also got George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league. And then failing those three, he's also got Christian McCaffrey, one of the best pass-catching running backs in the league. And they just tore it apart in the second half. They were just a class above. And that's what's dangerous about this Niners team is QB aside, they're probably the most complete roster in the league. Um, and I think they scared a few people in the NFC on uh, on Saturday afternoon, I think. Yeah, most definitely. Like you say, it seems a foul cry, doesn't it? You know, if you think this time last year we were talking about Pete Carroll probably swanning off into the sunset, it felt like retirement was almost inevitable. And obviously they then sort of pulled that Russell Wilson trade and it kind of felt just like a natural time for that franchise to reset and move on, you know, completely. But as you say, it's been a phenomenal season, really. They deserve to sneak into the playoffs in the end. They were there right throughout the campaign. It would have been nice to have seen the Lions in there with their late season run, but I think it would have been harsh on the on the Seahawks after being in position throughout the course of the season. But plenty to be optimistic about. I thought DK Metcalf had an excellent game. He finished with 10 yeah. receptions for 136 yards. Um, so that will be of note to the teams that are coming up against San Francisco. Um, I don't think Javarius Ward had his, you know, a particularly good day and they probably can be gotten at a little bit in that area of the field. But like you say, certainly the defensive front and all that kind of stuff for the Niners, absolutely yeah. stout and phenomenal. Um, look, Brock Purdy, yeah, I mean, he finishes with a rating of 131.5 and obviously, like you say, a little bit of stab patting in the second half in particular. You know, but let's not forget, you know, a few weeks ago, we'd never thrown a pass in the NFL. He bounced across the nerves and some jitters. Um, you know, he did escape the pocket quite a few times, not necessarily always when he needed to. Um, but he'll it, be lots better for the experience. And as you say, the... Uh, the Seahawks will re- sorry, the Seahawks, the 49ers will really fancy the chances moving forward, and we'll obviously get on to who they will face as we progress through the games. Let's move then into the early hours, mate, of Sunday morning, Saturday late night. Um, and this was the one I think going into it that everybody thought, well, this is the one that could be a coin flip. Nobody was a hundred percent sure which way to sort of go in terms of the pickums. We defended Jacksonville last week. Josh was pretty low on them, saying that he felt they were quite lucky to get to where they got to. And I've got to be honest, if you were a neutral fan in the UK and you stayed up until 24 seconds before half-time and the score was 27-0, you probably thought early night, that will do for me. Boy, were you surprised when you woke up in the morning because, my oh my, mate, what a second-half comeback from the Jags. And 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 not even just the comeback as well. Like the, I've, It's been such a long time since I've te- seen a team come from such like laws in the game like they were down and out in the sense that not by not by the um the points differential but just because of how Lawrence was playing he threw three interceptions um in the first quarter alone like you know he's is he he looked woefully shy of of playoff experience as you know it was his first playoff game um he looked like a deer in the headlights is you know the, the i think the the first the, the first um Interception. I will give him a bit of grace. I don't think it was necessarily his fault. It was it was deflected, and I don't think that's necessarily on him. But he threw three more in the first half. So, you know, there's, it, um, it wasn't a good first half for, for Trevor Lawrence. And the fact that they got that that score before the half was probably a, a big, big sort of push for them. Because if you go in at twenty seven zip, that's a big, big mountain to climb. 
But even if you get three points, it's something. It shows that you're on the board and you you take the uh, you take the momentum. But the, I mean, the, the the Chargers came out in the second half with the ball, and they after seven plays they punt it away. And then you look at the um, you look at the Jaguars in the second half. Their four drives was touchdown, 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 field goal. Like they came out in the second half, and, and Lawrence was a different beast. Um, and you know, props for him for turning it around. Like that's hard to do. Once you're in that mindset to, to to dig yourself out of that hole as the QB, as the leader of the team, in your first ever playoff experience, in the team's first playoff experience since 2017, I think when they went to the FC Championship under very different coaching staff and very different players, I'd be surprised if any of the Jaguars players were actually on that roster that went to the FC Championship in 2017. Um, so it's a very very different different kettle of fish. And, um, you know, fair play to Trevor Lawrence. He wasn't perfect. He threw four picks. He's not going to be perfect. But he was. He, he brought it back in the second half and he and he recouped for his losses. Um, and I think you've got to give props as well to Doug Peterson. Like, the guy is one of the best in-game coaches in the league. Like, he's, he's so good at making little adjustments and recognising what's going on in the field and, and changing it around. And the fact that they even won this game is, is absolutely phenomenal. Um Really, really impressive for Jacksonville. I think most people had sort of written them off and this was going to be an easy Chargers win. And once again, the Chargers fall shy. And, you know, we've already seen the fallout of this. They've sacked their offensive coordinator, uh, Lombardi. Is that is it QB's coach as well? I think their linebacker's coach has just been fired as well. So a bit of a clear out for Brandon Staley. You know, it makes you wonder if they're putting all their eggs in one basket with him. And if nothing changes next year, then he'll be out of the die. Wouldn't surprise me. Um, does the Mike Williams loss in factor into this? You know, Gerald Everett had himself a game, six receptions, 109 yards. Keenan Allen, 61 yards from six receptions. But Mike Williams isn't on the field, and he should be. And it's it's criminal that he's out injured with a back injury because he played in a meaningless Week 18 game. Like, yeah, that's got to have impacted them. But Justin Herbert, again, like, you look at his stat line, a, a rating of 84.7, one touchdown, zero interceptions, Two seven three yards, like it's it's okay, but a guy of his calibre should be doing better than that. And I didn't think we'd be sat here saying that Trevor Lawrence would have a playoff win before Justin Herbert, but here we are. Um, where do the Chargers go from here? Yeah, million dollar question, mate. Million dollar question. It feels like Herbert's almost played with the handbrake on all year. I know he obviously picked up that injury early part of the season, and there's been a lot of talk as to whether or not. He has fully recovered or he hasn't. The Chargers obviously they've got a long off season to stew over all of that. And like you say, they've had plenty of sacrificial lambs when it would seem as though the real root of the problem isn't necessarily anybody that they've actually gotten rid of. Um, but obviously we'll wait and see how that plays out. It really goes to show though how much momentum actually means come this time of year because I can't believe this is the same Jacksonville team that I spent a Sunday afternoon at Wembley watching lose to the Denver Broncos not all that long ago you know that was a that was a low point of the season the jags have historically done relatively well when they've traveled across to the uk it's obviously become almost like a second fan base for them and they've had some big wins at times um that was a real low point to drop them to two and six on the season to fast forward now to be in the playoffs now they've got a playoff win under the belts Absolutely phenomenal. I mean, gutsy call from Doug Pedersen, as you said, to go for the two-pointer. Um, so that yeah. meant that the field goal ended up being a game winner. Um, I think he just felt that momentum was on their side and if they needed a touchdown, they ultimately could have done it. But obviously doing it the way that he did, he gave them the chance to just kick the field goal to win. Um, so, yeah, as you say, just a phenomenal performance. Really, really good to see. 
And, you know, they move on. They'll obviously play Kansas City, who would have been sitting there watching it. Um, and I think they will be, you know, quietly confident. Obviously, the Chiefs' number one seed at home. They'd expect to take care of business, but they'll be expecting a really, really tough game. And they'll know that the Jags won't be out of it until the final whistle blows. They prove that this weekend. Yeah, it's very one they made to Sunday. Go on, you want to have a hand? I was just going to say, no, just the Jags have got a feel. I think of the the AFC equivalent of the Giants this year. Like they're the sort of the underdogs, the 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 the, the lower ranked seed. Excuse me. Um, I know technically they're actually the four seed because they won the division, but they certainly feel like a lower seed, and they've got that air of like a the underdog that no one's no one's really expecting anything of them. No one, everyone's written them off. And the thing is with Doug Pedersen is he's been there before. When the Eagles got to the playoffs in 2017 as the one seed, by that point, Carson Wentz had torn his ACL. So Nick Foles was the quarterback and everyone was saying they're not going to go anywhere. We're not without Carson Wentz. Nick Foles isn't good enough. Even all the bookies had the you know the Falcons winning and then the Vikings winning and then the Patriots winning in the three playoff games. So Pedersen's been there before. He knows what it's like to be an underdog. I think that'll count for something. You know, Really tough game, which we'll get on to, but I definitely think that counts for something. Yeah, agree, mate. Completely agree. Um, the first game of the Sunday triple header, where again, ended up being a lot more competitive than anybody had given it credit for, I think it's fair to say. Um, I've got to say, it wasn't the most impressive performance from the Buffalo Bills, considering they were heavily favoured. They did their best to allow the Dolphins back into the game. The Dolphins, as we knew, were going to struggle offensively. Um, with Skylar Thompson playing quarterback, he's ending rating of 44.7, and it just felt like that from the eyeball test, didn't it? It wasn't a great day at the office. They couldn't get anything going in the run game. But where they did do well was obviously in the turnover stakes, um, you know, and that's where they needed they needed big plays in the defence. They needed big plays from special teams, didn't they? That's, that's ultimately what they were going to look for. And at one stage, right, like I say, well, at more than one stage, to be fair, it seemed as though they might have have more than a squeak. Um, you know, Buffalo opened up 17-0. You thought this is going to be the blowout everybody expected. And then, like I said, they did their absolute best to allow the Dolphins right back into it. Yeah, yeah. And and the, the, the Bills were their own worst enemy in this game because I think when this... I had some friends over for this game on, on, um, on Sunday and uh, we all agreed that I think when the game kicked off that no one was really expecting anything of the Dolphins in this game. You know, unfortunately, they're having to start with their third-string quarterback the second sort of well, the, the, the sort of third third of the season, if you split their season in three, was was very disappointing for Miami. They sort of squeezed in um, after after re- being real like dominant figures in the first half of the season. You know, they they at one point it was they were um, they'd won seven of eight, I think it was. So they were a really dominant team at one stage, but obviously Tua's had his really bad luck with the concussions, and. Um, They've had to start Skylar Thompson, and I think it's just unfortunately for him. And I, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sort of dig into him too much because he's a third string quarterback for a reason, and he's got playoff experience now, and that'll, you know, I'll stick with him forever. But unfortunately, I just don't think it's quite his level just yet. He could be in the future, who knows? But just wasn't quite his level. I, I think the coaching of this game, from Miami's perspective, showed that Mike McDaniel's inexperienced in the playoffs because they were not getting anything going in the air. Skylar Thompson was 18 of 45. So, you know, that's that's what, like 40% um, completion percentage. That's really, really bad. However, what I will certainly say is his receivers did not help him at all. Um, Jalen Waddle dropped two or three, like right in the chest catches. Like Skylar Thompson couldn't have thrown a better ball, just dropped. Tyreek Hill dropped one. I think there was another receiver that dropped one as well. Like they, his receivers did not help him at all. Um 
And so that's not on him, but it, you know, ultimately he still didn't have the best game. But they just didn't get anything going on the ground. And and Buffalo's where Buffalo can be got at is certainly on the ground. You know, they're they're not the best rushing defense. I'm not saying they're the worst in the league, but when nothing's working in the air for you, yes, you've got Tyreek Hill and yes, you've got um Jalen model, but when it's not working, you know, go to the ground, see what you can get across the ground. And it just disappointed me that they didn't quite do that. Um but Buffalo, you know, Buffalo created their own issues. Josh Allen proves that the splash players come on both sides for him, the positives and the negatives. Um, I think he's still dealing with his elbow issue. I think he's still not 100%. And it's a shame because you want to see him at 100% and you want to see what this Bills team can do with everyone firing all cylinders, but I still just don't think he's quite there. His ability to launch the ball downfield with barely any backlift in his arm is unbelievable. He's got such a cannon of an arm, but his accuracy is just not quite there. And you can tell, and, and the two interceptions he, he threw were, were disappointing. From a Buffalo perspective, you'd be you'd be really frustrated with those. Um, and they just let Miami come back into it. They should have been away and clear at halftime. And it was, what was it, 2017 at half? Um, you know, but Buffalo being Buffalo, they they gave the ball away just before the half. Miami marched down the field and, and scored a touchdown from short yardage, but then they left enough time on the clock for Buffalo to then to then go down and take the field goal and and, and go in ahead at the half. Which you know, if you run the ball and get the clock move away, then maybe you score with ten seconds left rather than a minute and ten seconds left. You know, it's that's poor clock management, I think, and and that just shows that's ultimately what they've lost by three points in the end. Um, but yeah, really good game, really entertaining. Uh, Buffalo probably deserved to go through, but one one thing I will say about Buffalo is they can't play like that in the next round. If they play like that against Cincinnati, they will get slaughtered. I think that that Cincinnati offense and, and Joe Burrow will will just will just literally cut them to pieces. So Buffalo have got to work out some things. Um, uh, they've got to um, you know, Josh Allen, sorry, has got really got to work on his on his accuracy and his and his decision making. But you know they still put thirty four points up and Josh Allen threw two interceptions so something's still going right and I'm sure whatever happens it'll be a barnstormer of a game uh, next weekend against Cincinnati Yeah yeah it certainly promises to be a good one um, as you say clock management was a problem all game long I mean the actual game itself lasted three hours and 53 minutes it's going to be one of the longest non-overtime games I've ever seen um, in terms of how long the game actually went and the delay of game penalties at the end were absolute oh. killers absolute killers the Dolphins you know, there was no the, the surprising thing with this. It finished 34 31. There were no points scored in the final 11 minutes of the game, near enough, which just seemed bonkers, really, because both teams had possessions, both teams moved the ball. Like I say, the Dolphins had a fourth and one, which was really a fourth and inches situation. They took a, another delay of game. I'll say another because they'd had about three or four at this point. That obviously moved them back to fourth and six. They ended up there for. Um, turning the ball over on downs, they ultimately would, um, you know, get the ball back one, one more time and couldn't move it again. Um, but that that was a real backbreak because it did feel as though that drive was actually moving somewhere when they took that delay of game penalty. Um, but as you say, it, it felt as though the Dolphins had sort of stumbled into the playoffs. You know, look, obviously no one's going to turn down the opportunity, but you know, this was a different Dolphins team to what we were looking at a couple of months ago when they were really explosive, you know, two has had a brilliant season when he's been available. That'll be something to monitor moving forward because obviously there's already concerns about his long-term health and, you know, you'd absolutely hate to see him come back and, and go down again, you know, with another head injury. So that, you know, they've really got to 
sort of decision to make there, I would suggest. Um, so, yeah, good season Good season overall. And like you say, the Bills have certainly got to improve. Yeah, there's, there's another sort of uh, angle to look at this from as well, now that we've covered both teams, is that since the playoffs expanded to seven teams from each conference three years ago, the number seven seed is 0-6. Like not the number seven seed is yet to win a game, and it just it does feel like every season the number seven seed is like limping into the playoffs. You know that they're, they're you know look at the the two the two teams this year. Sure, Seattle was better than Miami, but Miami limped into the playoffs, and, and you know they gave a decent account of themselves, but because Buffalo let them, and and it's this Seattle. You know by that point, I think the the, the playoffs have taken a step too far for Seattle. And were they ever really going to do a huge amount? So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if that ever changes, if they do anything with that. But, yeah, the, the number 70 being 0-6 is not a great advert for these uh, for the Super Wildcard weekend. No, it's not a great advert. I think, like you say, it's just one of those unfortunate things this year. I think how different would these games have looked if, like I say, it was the Lions that would have overcome, you know, the sort of you know bad start that they had and they ended up, what, half a game out or whatever it was. If, if the Lions had squeaked in, that would have been a really interesting game. And as much as they've obviously had their offensive struggles, you would imagine, could you imagine the Steelers, how they would have potentially mm-hmm. cashed in on all those Buffalo mistakes this weekend. Yeah. They were the team that were really streaking in the AFC, winning sort of six of their last seven or eight games. Um, so, yeah, it's just one of those things, like you say, unfortunate. Look, it's here to stay. The, the NFL are only going to expand the playoffs. They're not going to make yeah. them any smaller. Um, you know, if yeah. you're going to do anything, you're going to go to eight teams and have no boys or something. It's, it's not going to go... The other way, I wouldn't have thought, but um, yeah, interesting point nonetheless. Let's have a look then at um, Cincinnati. We've already teed up that they obviously won their game. They beat the Baltimore Ravens 24 points to 17. Um, I I suppose really we should have known ahead of time, being an AFC North divisional battle, being the Baltimore Ravens, this was never going to be the blowout that most people probably expected it to be. Um, The Baltimore Ravens haven't essentially played with an offence for the vast majority of this season, <laughs> let's be honest. You know, the 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 Baltimore Ravens have been built around Lamar Jackson for the best part now of the last three years or so. And whenever he hasn't played, this offence has never really seemed to have a clue what it needs to do. They don't have any wide receiver threats, um, you know, in terms of anybody that consistently catches the ball. It's all about the run game. J.K. Dobbins looks like a phenomenally good player. You can question why he had so few carries in this game. Um, he did. You know, but all, <laughs> yeah, he did indeed. Yeah, and rightfully so. But, yeah. but the, I mean, look, we'll, we'll talk more in depth about the Ravens in a little bit because we're obviously going to concentrate on, on Cincinnati moving forward. So let's just talk about the game itself, mate. It obviously swings ultimately at the end with a huge play, probably the biggest individual play of the weekend in terms of being a real difference maker. And that, of course, is the Baltimore Ravens at the goal line. Tyler Huntley given the job of running the the, the unconventional quarterback sneak, not the one that you try and sneak it in underneath everybody, the one that you try and yeah. go over the top of everybody. And yeah. unfortunately, from a Ravens perspective, the Bengals were alert to it. They were ready for it, punched the ball out. It lands right in the bucket of Sam Hubbard. And he ran probably the slowest 100-metre dash you were ever likely to see. But there was only Mark <laughs> Andrews, to be fair, that made an effort. Um, questionable block in the back. We, we can potentially argue about that once he actually gets to about the 30-yard line. Uh, but ultimately, that is the big difference maker, isn't it? Because that's the, the you know essentially a 14-point swing, isn't it? The Ravens were about yeah. to go up seven. Cincinnati end up going up seven. That ends up being the end of the scoring. So it's the Bengals that move on, mate. 
Um, and they will play the Bills. I'd expect I'd expect both Cincinnati and Buffalo to be better next weekend. But you know, job done as far as Cincinnati are concerned. Yeah, and, and and fair play to Sam Hubbard as well. You saw that you saw the famous shot. This always happens with a big guy in NFL or in rugby. Whenever a big guy has to go on a big run, you always see him on the sidelines afterwards with oxygen <laughs> because they've just ran a hundred yards. Uh, yeah, I mean it, it it changed the entire game, didn't it? Um, you know, it's interesting that that Baltimore were able to put seventeen points up without Lamar and without any sort of receiving threats. You look at that Baltimore offense at the moment. You you double team Mark Andrews, and then the rest sort of take care of themselves, don't they? And it's it's a bit it's a bit lackluster. And without the dual threat of Lamar's legs and his throwing ability, um, you know, the, they look a bit toothless in defense. But uh, sorry, in offense. But their, their defense makes up for it. I think the, the Baltimore defense is under the radar very good. They've obviously just given uh, Roquan Smith a, a monster deal after they traded for him from Chicago, um, and he's been excellent for them. He's a leader on that defense. The, the way that the um, the Ravens use linebackers to plug the gaps and 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 to do a lot of different things is is, is exceptional at defense, and they've always been very good at that. Um, I think you know they they held the Bengals to twenty four points. You know the Bengals will be looking to next weekend and thinking, God, we can't score twenty four points against the Bills. We'll get torn apart. Um, so I think it's interesting how obviously we'll come onto those games. How both teams go into those games worrying about their performance in the in the wild card round. But I think. With the wild card, it's a lot of it's a lot of case of just get it done. Doesn't matter how you do it; it can be ugly. Just get it done. Um, you know, the comments after the game were interesting. Like uh, J.K. Dobbins, especially coming out and complaining, as I said, about how he didn't have as many carries. He believes his ability, and he was saying, you know, you've got someone on the, on the field who's good at doing what he was doing, and they weren't giving him the ball. He only had thirteen carries, averaging just shy of five a five a carry, which is pretty good as far as running backs go. And um, and, and and he's going to be frustrated with that. And he also had that, a little bit of a, a, a Freudian slip saying that he he, um, he said if Lamar was out there, we would have won the game, which is obviously just a big dig to Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley's doing his best he can. He's the backup quarterback. He actually, I don't think he had that bad of a game with the obvious, the obvious mishap aside. You know, 17 of 29, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, you know, I think as far as backup quarterback score, it's it, he he had a pretty decent performance. But it's a shame. It's just a shame to see yet another backup quarterback in, and it's not to be a a, a real sort of contest. Because had this have been Lamar, I think Cincinnati might be going home this weekend. Had that have been Lamar, um, I think I think um, Baltimore get it done. But ultimately, Cincinnati come away with the win. Um, it's just they just sort of they just sort of um, didn't really get out of second gear to be honest. Um, you know, Joe Burrow was was quite quiet on on the on the whole. They didn't really get anything going over the ground, but that's what you expect against a, a tough Baltimore defense. Um, and hopefully, they've got more in the tank for the uh, for the uh, next game against Buffalo because they're going to need to. Because I think if if they play like that again, if they're that quiet and, and sort of lackluster, shall we say, for lack of a better term, again, then you know, if you take away the Sam Hubbard touchdown, for example, they score seventeen points. That's not enough. That's not enough to beat any of these, you know, the 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 two juggernauts that are left in the AFC. Uh, that's not enough to beat any of those. So, um, yeah, interesting matchup for next week. But Cincinnati, I think, possibly escape. Is escape the right word? Um, with, a, with a bit of a lucky one after that Sam Hubbard uh, touchdown run. Yeah, I'm sure they'll both be better. You know, we'll preview the game in a little bit more depth shortly coming up. But like I said, let's, let's spend a minute or two, mate, on Baltimore. Um as you say, there was lots of comments made about Lamar not being there in terms of they would have won the game with him. There was obviously a lot made about the fact that he hadn't travelled with the team 
Um, I'm not too sure how much weight to put behind that. I think there's plenty of examples where players are injured and they don't make journeys to games and all of that kind of stuff. There was obviously the really bad advice that Mike Vick sort of said, just strap it up, this is the playoffs, let's go, which we've Mm. seen players ruin their careers doing things like that in the past. RG3, the most sort of recent one that springs to mind. But as I said earlier about this, this whole offence has really been structured around the run game and it's been structured around Lamar Jackson and the strengths that he brings. And I can't believe we're actually in this position. But as we sit here today, does it almost now feel inevitable that the Baltimore Ravens are moving on from Lamar Jackson this offseason? It feels that way. It absolutely feels that way. Like I feel like if they were going to to if they were going to um get an extension done, it would have happened already. Um, there's a big market for him, and you've got to be looking at teams around the league that are, that are QB needy that will be going all out to go and get him. Um, you know, a couple that spring to mind. I think the Jets will be will be desperate to to take a look at him. Um, I think you know if you're um, if you're New Orleans, you make a call. You know, um, if you're Atlanta, you make a call. I think Atlanta will be going all out, just like New York will. Um, you know that that sort of the Mariota style offense that they've run with a with a mobile quarterback. Obviously, Mar- Mariota is is not the level of Lamar, but he is that sort of style of of, of sort of mobile quarterback. You plug. Lamar Jackson into that offense, Kyle Pitts and and a couple of other weapons, and that looks an awful lot better than it did this season. Um, so yeah, there's going to be no shortage of of teams that are going to want to try and take him from Baltimore, um, and it just makes you wonder if if Baltimore really are even that fuss. Like, do you know, do they swing again in the draft? They picked up, um, they picked up Lamar with was it the thirty second pick in that round. Like, he was the very last pick in the first round, I believe, and you know he's he's done them very very well for four or five years. Um, but yeah, I, I, if I had to lay down lay down my cards today, I would say he's not with the Baltimore Ravens next season. Music to my ears as a Browns fan. Music to my ears. But yeah, strange old season. I mean, just looking through their receiving numbers on the year, their best receiver, wide receiver, Demarcus Robinson, caught 48 balls. That's their leading receiver. 48 receptions for 458 yards. Outside of Mark Andrews, of course, we know what uh, what Mark Andrews can do. Um, just really quickly, on both of the Ravens and the Steelers, mentioned the Steelers earlier, we're obviously always full of praise for Mike Tomlin in terms of what he's able to do in terms of his winning records and all of that kind of stuff. But it's now five years where there's only been one playoff win between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. That's Is wild. It, is it time that these two need to start actually producing when it comes to it in terms of January? Because obviously, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals all of a sudden have been the kings of the North for two years running. Obviously, the still the defending AFC Championship um, winners. So they're not going anywhere. Cleveland obviously gone all in with Deshaun Watson. They'll obviously be hoping that that pays dividends from the 2023 season moving onwards. The AFC North always a tough division, always yeah. has been a tough division. Um, you know, but it feels like a big job for these two franchises. And like I say, I'm not saying that expecting the Browns to all of a sudden turn the corner far from it. But obviously, they'll be they'll be hoping that that's the case with what they've just shelled out for Deshaun Watson, won't they? So it's you know tough job ahead. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's one of those strange ones, isn't it, where they've both been in a a, a weird situation. Obviously, the Steelers have had the, the the sort of the latter years of Roethlisberger, where he definitely wasn't his old self. And you could tell that for the last like two years of his career before he finally retired. And it's an absolute miracle that Tomlin's even got into a winning season this year, let alone 
um, almost in the playoffs. So, you know, I think that's that's sort of impacting the Steelers. But the Ravens, you know, Harbaugh's a good coach. I think there's no doubting that. Um, but I think the, the last couple of years, they've just been hampered by Lamar's injuries. They've come at the wrong time of the season. Like, once again, he's not available for a playoff game where they need they need him. Um it does make you wonder what direction they're going to go in. Like you say, the, the the other two in the in the division are not going anywhere. I think the Bengals could be a stalwart in the AFC for five, ten years. You know, as long as Joe Burrow's like Joe Burrow said, his his window is his career. You know, um, and I think that you know the Browns have got a good roster. They've just hired Jim Schwartz, which is an interesting hire at defensive coordinator as well. Um, so yeah, like I say it's a it's a it's a, a tough conference. Um, sorry, tough division in in the tough conference with all the quarterbacks in the AFC now. Um, and, you know, if, if they're not careful, I think especially the Ravens, if they're not careful, if they do lose Lamar, let's assume they do, they run the risk of getting left behind. They run the risk of being, you know, we all had them worst to first this season. Could they be first to worst next season if they lose Lamar? So they are in, in the risk of being in a bit of a funk. I think the Steelers are on a better trajectory. Steelers have got that defence. I know that the Ravens' defence is good, but without a quarterback, this I don't know where this Ravens team go because it's built around Lamar. And without Lamar, you can see how lacklustre it is. So... Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they look like next season and, and whether or not Lamar stays in the, in the division. But I'm sure you'll be happy to see the back of the back of his number in that purple jersey. <laughs> Most definitely, my friend. Most definitely. Talking of purple jerseys, yeah, I'll tell you what, mate, you set me up beautifully there, didn't you? Let's go oh, Minnesota, New seamless. York. <laughs> seamless. Seamless. You'd never think we could even practice these things, would you? But yeah, <laughs> Minnesota, Minnesota, New York. I called the I called my shot on this one last week. I think you agreed with me. This felt like a Vikings team that had got one and done written all over it. It took a well I'll say it took an inspired performance from the Giants. It was an inspired performance from the Giants in terms of what Daniel Jones produced. I think that was arguably his best ever game as a pro. He was really efficient with the ball. He was excellent with his legs, really made some good decisions in terms of when to tuck it and run. Um, the Giants leading Russia on the day in terms of both attempts and yardage. I thought he was absolutely excellent. Isaiah Hodgins had his best day as a pro. I mean, what a time to get that as well. Um, he was very, very reliable. He had a great stat that he hadn't dropped a ball um, all season um, when he reeled one in on his fingertips early on in the game. Um, and you can tell he's become a real reliable piece of the offence. Um, and, you know, what did we get? We get Kirk Cousins in the big situation, in the big game again. Didn't necessarily play badly if you look at his stat line. 31 or 39, you'd say he's had a fairly efficient day, a couple of touchdowns. But it just never, ever felt, mate, like the the Vikings were going to win this game, did it? Nope. Never at one at one point I never thought that they were gonna they were gonna win. Um and I think that's purely because of their defense. I don't think it's necessarily um Kirk Cousins is yeah, they could have put up a few more points. 24 is not enough to be expecting to win playoff games, but their defense just let New York go down the field at will. You know, you look at their um you look at uh New York's um that sheet, they only punted twice, that was in the second half. Touchdown, touchdown, field goal, end of half. Touchdown, punt, touchdown, punt, end of game. You know, it, you know there's take away the end of game at the end there. They only punted twice and obviously end of the half at the end of the first. Like they just went down the field at will. Um, you know, the Giants on on the day had um, 301 yards of passing offense and 142 of rushing offense. You know, they're almost 
450 yards of offense just at will. I just, I think you, you, we've everyone in everyone has been saying it all season long that this this Vikings team are, are, are I don't want to say frauds, but you know they're, they're not as good as their record suggests. They 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 were 11 and 0 in one score games. 11 and 0. That's insane. Like that look had to run out at some point. They ran out at the worst possible time in the playoffs. Um, uh, you're right, Daniel Jones was. Superb. He was really, really good. Um, he, you know, he's making what is, and I'm sure it's it's fair for me to say, what is a very bang average receiver room look really good. Asai Hodges had a great game. Darius Slayton had a great game. Um, dropped dropped the catch that he should have caught later on, but nevertheless had a good game. Um, Richie James over in the slot was 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 effective. Saquon Barkley in the in the passing game, you know, um, was also really really good. Um, you know, and then they, and on the defensive side of the ball, they made Justin Jefferson look average. Seven receptions, 47 yards, no touchdowns. Like, you know, for Justin Jefferson, those are rookie numbers. Um, he'll be disappointed with that. But yeah, they go out with a whimper. I think, again, it's a bit more of a sort of rookie head coach in the playoffs sort of thing. You know, I know Dable's a rookie head coach, but he's been there before with the Bills. He knows what it's about. And I think this says a lot about Brian Dable as much as it does about Daniel Jones as well. I thought they executed the game plan perfectly. They didn't make any mistakes. Um, you know, there was a there was a couple of um there was a couple of drop catches. There was one fumble by the running back, but they recovered it. No turnovers. Um they just executed really well. That was this was a perfect game to to evidence how good of a coaching staff they've got in New York. It pains me to say it, just as it pains you to praise anyone in the AFC North, it pains me to praise the New York Giants. They've been a laughing stock for the last like six years in the NFC East. Um but I, I am now a little bit concerned that they are on the rise and they've got, you know, they've got some good players. I think this roster is still a little bit early in its development and I think there's still a few years to go, but they're definitely building in the right direction. Um but yeah this this Minnesota defense offered no um, resurgence and no um, countenance to, to New York and they were just able to run all over them. Um, easy win, I thought, at the end for the Giants. And it almost felt like it was the wrong way around and the Giants should have been the seeded team. But um, yeah, there we go. Here we are again talking about Minnesota going out with a whimper in the uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, no, well, like I said, all credit to the Giants so that they were exceptional. Like I said, we've talked a lot this year, haven't we, about, you know, if you can keep Saquon Barkley caught, what else have the Giants got to offer? Well, you know, if you'd have said to the Vikings pre-game that Saquon would have only had 53, you know, yards rushing and only 56 yards receiving, you'd have probably taken that as a reasonable day. But as I say, Daniel Jones was phenomenal. And I think, you know, a massive shout-out, I think, to Wink Martindale as well, because, you know, you, you just mentioned about the Browns hiring... Um, Jim Schwartz and a lot of people have sort of, you know, been a little bit negative towards that because he's an older guy and this, that and the other. I'm sorry, sometimes a bit of experience, a bit of nous is exactly what you need. And, you know, Wick Martindale was, you know, 59, 60, something like that. Um, you know, and he he knows how to get a defence ready and how to get a defence prepared. And like you say, his game plan for Justin Jefferson was fantastic. Um, and it, just like I say, an all-round excellent performance by the New York Giants. Obviously, be really tough game next weekend. Um, you know, whether they'll get any further, we'll wait and see. Obviously, again, another divisional matchup, which are always tasty. Um, you know, but like you say, the Giants really, really well played. And we end with another one of your uh, NFC East rivals, the three of the NFC East in the final four when it comes to the NFC side. The Dallas Cowboys do take care of business, 31 points to 14 over Tampa Bay. I'm really 
annoyed with myself. I was perfect on Pickham's. And then I listened all day about the hype about Tampa Bay and being at home and Brady in the playoffs. And he never lost to the Cowboys. And the Cowboys always cock things up. So I changed my pick at the last minute. And yeah, the Cowboys strolled to victory. Um, 24 points to nil up. Um, before Tampa Bay hit the scoreboard, obviously ended up um, 31 points to six, and it was only a late Cameron Brake touchdown, um, which put an air of respectability on the scoreboard. But to be honest, this really was true to form, wasn't it, mate? The Bucks haven't been great all year. The Cowboys have been one of the more impressive sides, arguably unlucky to have to settle for the fifth seed because of the strength of that NFC East, as we've just described. Um, so really, it kind of played to form, mate, didn't it? Yeah, the, I mean, what a day for, for Dak Prescott to have is probably one of the best games of his career. Uh, he looked unstoppable. He was absolutely superb. Um, and I think, again, this, this, there's parallels in this game than there was the Giants and the and the Vikings because I think this Tampa Bay defence just did nothing to stop them. Um, Dak played excellently, and so did Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. They just all had really good days. Um, Pollard and Elliott off the ground were, were excellent, combining for just over 100 yards. Um, and they just they just marched down the field with ease. Um, we perhaps won't talk about the kicker, uh, Mayer, who missed four extra points. If it was, was it the first time in the playoffs that's ever happened, um, which it's is the first wild. time in any game it's ever happened. Like yeah. any game, not just the playoffs. Yeah, and it's 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 you know on another day that comes back to bite you. Four points. That's that's a that's a game change. That is that's more than a field goal. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a, a perhaps a little bit concerning. Um, but yeah, they'll be pleased to come through that. I, I think it's wild that Tom Brady attempted to throw the ball 66 times. Um, it was just obvious that Tampa had no rushing attack. They just had no rushing attack whatsoever. They only attempted 12 carries. 12 carries for 52 yards. Like, that's appalling. Um, and Rashad White was getting six yards a carry off seven carries. So, like, I don't know why they didn't go to it a bit more often. But um, yeah, that, Tom Brady throwing it 66 times. Um, with two interceptions, thirty-five completions. Uh, yeah, just it just it, this is a. It's amazing how much this Tampa team has fallen since the highs of last season, um, when they only just missed out on the on the Super Bowl. In honesty, um, and yeah, that, I think this is potentially going to be a, a a farewell. Certainly in Tampa, for Brady. I don't know where he goes next. I, I read that because of the strange way that his contract is is um, has been manoeuvred and is worded. If he does leave and pick up picked up in free agency, the books still have a $23 million cap hit this season, sorry, next season for him. If he leaves in free agency and if he retires, I think that's halved because the contract is really odd for, for obviously, you know, if they were able to bring everyone back a couple of years ago, there's got to be a reason they were able to do that. And here it is. Oh, if it isn't the consequences of my actions as the Tampa Bay GM. Um, uh-huh. So yeah, it's, it's, um, they go off with a whimper. Da- uh, Dallas go on with a really, really stellar performance, especially after they looked quite sort of dubious last few weeks of the regular season. And I think a lot of yeah. people are asking the question now of which Dallas do we get? Which one do we get next week? Because they're going to have to be at their absolute best again against San Francisco if they want to make it through. And which one do we get? Do we get the, the Tampa Bay Dallas or do we get the, the Week 18 Dallas that looked absolutely dreadful against the Commanders? Yeah, we shall wait and see. Like you say, it's all set up, though, isn't it, now, for the divisional round games. And let's move our attention there. We've kind of touched on 
on them as we've gone through the games and, and obviously by now everybody will know who he's scheduled to play who in terms of the order let's let's go through them chronologically mate um i'm really pleased that they picked this one for saturday evening i thought this was gonna potentially be one that was um pushed out to the sort of early hours uk time but it's the saturday evening half nine game the chiefs and the jags like i said, I was really really interested to see the the jags game last week and it was obviously early hours so i ended up catching it the day after i'll be tuning into this one live as we said earlier you'd probably fully expect the chiefs to take care of the business they obviously open up as favorites no doubt about that. They deserve to be favourites based on you know the, the regular season performance that they've put out. And obviously, when you've got Patrick Mahomes as quarterback and his record since entering the league, it's obviously stands to reason that they're going to be big favourites. But certainly wouldn't write the Jags off. And don't forget, I know these things people often say, oh, yeah, well, does it really make a difference? Well, I'm sorry, Trevor Lawrence has never lost on a Saturday. It does make some sort of a difference because while you've got that record, you want to hang on to it, don't you, mate? So um, just looking, Chiefs eight and a half point favourites, mate. Yeah, it's it, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I think again, this is one of those games where it's perhaps a year or two too early for Jacksonville. I think most of us are surprised they're even in the playoffs, let alone heading to Arrowhead to play in the divisional round against the Chiefs. Um, I think this is a bit of a mismatch. I think you no know, disrespect to the Jaguars, but I think this should, if the Chiefs are you know eyes on the Super Bowl and should be going there, and especially the way that Mahomes has played this year, they sh- this should be a, a, a sort of an easy game. There is no easy game in the NFL, but this should be a comfortable win for them. They shouldn't make this a difficult game. But let's not take away from the from the Jaguars. They were really impressive in the second half against um, Los Angeles. And if they can come into this game carrying that momentum, Jack, um, Trevor Lawrence cannot throw four interceptions in this game. If he throws four interceptions, this game could be 50 points to Kansas City because you know Andy Reid will make them pay for those. Um so yeah, this is it's I think that it's gonna be difficult for them to to uh to win this game. I think it's gonna be one of those games where um the only way they're gonna be able to do it is keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. So long drives, keep the ball on the field, keep the offense on the field, try and exhaust that defense and build points up that way. Um, you know, Mahomes can't score if he's not on the field. You cannot turn the ball over. These games are won lost by turnovers, cannot turn the ball over. Um, should be a good one. Really exciting for this one. It's like you say, perhaps not so much to my own team, but it's just it's an exciting one for nine thirty Saturday. Um, I think it should be a good one. Um, you know, there, there's certainly the chance for a, for a, for an upset. I think um, Kansas City have had games in the past where they perhaps haven't been as good as people thought they were going to be, um, and certainly haven't shown up. And I don't think this will be the case, but. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's not just a big whitewash. Hope it's not, not like a big sort of forty to six sort of um, one-sided game. Hopefully, we get a good one. And I think that you know the the, the Jacksonville's got to be um, encouraged by their rushing attack as well. I think they can get things going on the ground. I think that certainly could be a, a an avenue where they could exploit. But yeah, should be a good one. Yeah, like you say, need a big day from Travis Etienne as well as Trevor Lawrence down there. You would feel yeah. if they're going to have. Any chance, look, Kansas City are going to score their points. You know, you can slow them down, but ultimately they're going to score their points. It doesn't, it doesn't seem any matter what you try and do. I'm just looking through when the only time they failed to score more than 20 points this year is all the way back in week three in that surprising loss. But you know, not to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, but every every other week since then, you can regularly see 30, 34, 31, 44. You know, there's the, the Chiefs will score their points, right? As we say, so it's all about can Jacksonville on the offensive side play a clean game, obviously, like you say, try and dominate time of possession to the best of their ability and keep it close. Um, you'd fancy the Chiefs, and like I say, eight and a half point favorites probably feels. 
probably around about right, I would say, particularly yeah. at home. Um, but yeah, that, that's your Saturday evening or Saturday night, whichever way you want to look at it, 9.30 kickoff. Um, so it's your boys, mate, relegated to the uh, the prime time in the US, but obviously for us it's the 1.15am dreaded early Oof. morning shift. Um, but at least it's Saturday, mate, so you can have a nice line yes. on Sunday. Um, so. So, yeah, so the Eagles enter the fray. They obviously have the New York Giants. So, as we say, two teams that know all about each other. You know, they play each other, obviously, twice a year, being in that same division. Um, you know, so everybody will know exactly what to expect when, when kickoff does roll around. Eagles have obviously been really good. Um, you know, towards the back end of the season, they they probably, I wouldn't say, I don't say limped in, that seems too dramatic, but obviously they were so far ahead, it almost felt, you know, the, the fact that it took until the final week to secure the one seed was a little bit of a surprise. Um, but with that being said, hopefully some of the legs that they've been able to rest at the back end of the season, it's all obviously now in, in you know, in a view of taking advantage of that situation now and they'll open up seven and a half point favourites mates over the Giants. Yeah, and, and, and do you know what? the It's... It's difficult when you're the one seed and you sort of not limping, but it takes you like you know a couple of games to to then secure the one seed and maybe you rest players. And obviously, there's the whole Jalen Hurts injury as well. And it's sort of just in your mind it plays you a little bit because the last time I watched the Eagles convincingly beat someone was the Giants back in Week 15. Sorry, not 15, 13. Sorry. Um, which was a long time ago, that Giants game when the Eagles put 48 points up against them. You know, it's a long time since since the Eagles played that game. And it's been, they played the Bears, Cowboys, Saints and Giants, but were unconvincing in all of them, um, with Jalen Hurts missing two of those as well. So it's it, it's the whole momentum shift is a big thing for me. And I, I, the, for a little while this week, I've been getting a bit worried about you know, it feels like the momentum is with the Giants. They've just had this big win. They've gone to Minnesota. They've, they've, you know, they've, um, they've proven that they can, they can do it, being the underdog, and they've beaten the the Minnesota Vikings. But I take solace in the fact that the Eagles team is better than the Vikings. When the Vikings came to town to the Eagles in week two, they put they won twenty four seven. Like this Eagles team is much better than the Vikings, and I think on paper you look at the rosters and this Eagles team on paper should should comfortably win. However, we all know the playoffs is not like that, and we all know that the playoffs is a different beast. Um, I'm concerned about how much Dable will have his team fired up for this. Um, I'm concerned that the, the knowing that the Giants will want to come into Lincoln Financial Field and prove a point. Um, I know that they'll be ready to go. You know, this is a, a rivalry that's been going back, uh, you know, decades. Um, this is these are two teams that. Have, like I say, I play each other twice a year and, and you know the Giants will be desperate to get one over on them. You know, the Giants are pretty much back to full health, pretty much across the um across the roster. Whilst their receiving attack is you know is not great. Daniel Daniel Jones has been playing with such prowess recently that he's become quite a quite an astute sort of um elusive sort of mobile quarterback. Um I think the way the Eagles beat him is keep him in the pocket and let that pass rush do its thing. Um, the, the Eagles had 70 sacks on the season. I think if they're going to win, this, the, the sacks have to come. Uh, the pass rush has to get home. You know, Josh Schwetz missed a few weeks. He'll be back healthy. Hassan Reddick had the second highest sacks in the league. And then you've got uh, uh, Javon Hargrave and, and Fletcher Cox up the middle. You know, Linval Joseph even playing really well. So... It's going to be a really interesting one. I'm certainly not counting any chickens. Um, some stats that I discovered. Uh, the Giants have not won at Lincoln Financial Field since 2013. That's a long time. Um, and uh, teams, when being 2-0 and 
against uh, rivals in the regular season when playing them in the playoffs are 18 and 6, I think. Um, so it's, it's it's sort of heavily favoured, but those stats are there to be broken. You know, the Giants will want to come in there and prove a point. If Saquon's healthy, I thought Saquon looked awesome um, against the Vikings, and he has done for a few weeks now. He'll be a real trouble. We're going to have to um, keep a handle on him. Um, but yeah, it should be a really good one. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I'm slightly confident, but it's the playoffs. You never you never want to count your chickens before they're home. Um, but let's put it this way. I'd far prefer the Giants over the Cowboys. That's, let's put it that way. Yeah, you know, I think that's a fair assessment, mate. And like you say, you know, for the Giants, you're going to, you know, for them to win, they, they're probably going to have to reproduce something similar to what they did offensively in terms of a clean game. Um, you know, you want Daniel Jones to be able to sort of replicate what he did in terms of the run pass option game. As you say, that Eagles pass rush, he, he's obviously a real strength of the team. So can they, you know, we must use that aggressiveness against them. You know, they'll be one to, to keep an eye out on. Um, Seven and a half points probably feels about right, but I would say you're probably basing that on the regular season records and everything. As you say, it's got the feeling of a real close game, though, hasn't it, to be honest? So wouldn't necessarily expect to blow out. Um, so, yeah, really interesting one. And like you said, that one is the Saturday late night or early hours Sunday morning, 1.15am UK kickoff for that one. Your Sunday games, just to bear in mind the slightly different times this week always catches me because I turn it on at six o'clock and then realize it's still another two hours until <laughs> kickoff. Yeah. Um, so we start off, and I've got to say, again, delighted that this is the one that kicks us off Sunday in the earlier window the Bills and the Bengals. Um, very, very quick word on this one, mate, just in terms of firstly the venue because it's obviously caused a bit of controversy. We expected that we might end in this position, but this obviously potentially would have been. The Bills travelling to the Bengals had that Monday night ill-fated football game completed and the Bengals won the game. We'll obviously never know. So ultimately, you know, let's get that out of the way first and foremost. And we always said there was probably never really a ideal solution to all of these problems. Um, but it does seem a bit strange that the league put a provision in for the championship game, but not for the divisional game, um, which does seem a little bit strange. Yeah, it's it, it especially considering next week if 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 the Bills and the Chiefs win, that will be a neutral site. That will be at Mercedes-Benz in in Atlanta. And it is it is strange to think that had the Bengals had the Bengals have won that ill-fitted game, as you mentioned, um, that they could have taken the two seed and this could be now in Cincinnati rather than in Buffalo. It's very interesting, isn't it? But then I also think you could it, it you know, all all obvious sort of um concerns are on the, the game aside and obviously we're, we're very thankful that Jamal Hamlin is apparently even back at the uh, the complex this week has been you know in, in good spirits and is now back at the, the training court. I don't know how much he's actually training but he seems to be doing okay which is really really good um, yeah. that that obviously that aside I think you can only go on the record that's on the on the table and yes it was a game that didn't go ahead and they could have won that game but they also hadn't won as many games as Buffalo up to that point um, so I think you can, you know, it's only, you can only go as your record on the table, and, and they would have had the equal record anyway. So you know that would have been the tiebreaker, I guess. So yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough if you're a Cincinnati fan or a Cincinnati player, or coach. It's it's tough because you could have been playing this game at home. But hey, look, you're in the playoffs. You're there. All you've got to do now is go there and, and get the job done. And I say that all you know, all you've got to do, like it's easy. It's obviously <laughs> going to be a really, really tough game, especially in Buffalo, where God knows what the temperature is going to be on Sunday afternoon. You know. Um, and it's going to be a really tough one. But I think, you know, we saw from Buffalo on 
last weekend, the, the weekend just gone, that, that they are perfectly capable of shooting themselves in the foot if Joe Burrow wants to take advantage of that. Um, so, yeah, I think this is this is perhaps the game of the weekend, I think. This is perhaps the the, the real juicy one. I think this is the one where the both teams are, are most evenly matched, perhaps maybe the one after it, maybe. Um, but, yeah, this is the real juicy game of the weekend. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most, aside from the Eagles, I think. Um, I just can't call it. I really can't call it. I think I would have picked the, you know, if we said this is going to be the uh, one of the divisional games at the start of the season, I would have said the Bills all day long. But I just think that the with Josh Allen's sort of not quite being a hundred percent, and the the Bengals' ability to to tear teams apart with Burrow and Chase and Higgins, etc. Um, I just don't know. I think it's going to be a real, real interesting one. I, I, it's one of the ones where I think it could even go to overtime. It's that evenly matched. Yeah, and, and to be honest, the fact that they both had struggles in their own respective ways this weekend probably adds to that intrigue. Like you say, it, yep. wasn't, it wasn't like one absolutely blew you away this weekend and you're sort of thinking, oh, they're definitely going to yep. go all the way. I think they both, like I say, in, in respective manners, had their own individual struggles. I do worry now again about that Bengals offensive line, obviously really suffering with injuries. It's almost back to the offensive line that was in the playoffs last year. And obviously we know... Um, how much of an issue that was for Joe Burrow in terms of the amount of sacks that he took. Um, so that that is something to to sort of keep an eye on in terms of you know what five players the Bengals can sort of clobber together to to try and keep him upright. But it does have the feeling of a real shootout for me. This one, I think, it could be you know easily the highest scoring game of the weekend um, in, in terms of just points scored. Um, you know, I think the over under set at 48. I would be very much inclined to be on the over if I was a betting man. Obviously, you hear yeah. what the, the betting fellas say um, when the podcast rolls out later on in the week. But I think 48 for me feels very, very generous. I would be well on the over when it comes to that. Uh, and I'd fully expect this to be a bit of an offensive explosion. Yes, both teams can run the ball. They've proved that this year, but it's certainly not their go-to MO. And you would expect that a lot of the game will be the two quarterbacks against each other in terms of that throwing duel. And like you say, when you've got one side where you've got, you know, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley back in the slot, Gabe Davis always comes alive when it comes to the playoffs. And obviously on the other side, we know how good Jamar Chase is in terms of that connection with Burrow. T Higgins, Tyler Boyd, you know, most teams would be happy to take those in their receiving call, wouldn't they? So, it's, it's got all the makings of a classic, this one. And like I say, I'm really thrilled that it's in that early window for us UK viewers on Sunday. Yeah. And, and, and just quickly, look at, if you look at their season leaders in some of their key stats, they're so evenly matched. Like Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, um, Burrow 4,475 yards, Allen 4,283, 35 touchdowns each, 12 interceptions for Burrow, 14 for Allen. Rushing yards, Mixon 814, Singletree 819. Seven and five touchdowns, respectively. And Chase obviously missed a few games 1,046 yards, nine touchdowns. Diggs, 1,429 yards, 11 touchdowns. So they're so evenly matched. Like yeah. across the field, they've they've got players that are that in that piece of every sort of position on the field. And I think if this could, like I say, I think if this comes down to anything, I think it could be that Cincinnati offensive line, you say the injuries that they've had there, and, and could, could Buffalo perhaps just, just make that win? But then Buffalo's. Uh, you know, pass rush is not the greatest in the league. You know, they're not they're not the sort of um, the best in the, in that respect. So, you know, is that even going to be enough of a of a, an uptick? It's such an intriguing game. So many different things, so many different storylines in there. Yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a real, real classic. I think. 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. I hope it doesn't come down to missed kicks or something like that, but it almost feels like so that it, it could be the real finest of fine margins. Yeah. Uh, so that's your Sunday evening, Sunday night, Monday morning, um, the 49ers hosting the Dallas Cowboys to round off the divisional round. I've got to say on paper, all of these games look really, really tasty, don't they? And this is no exception. Um, the Niners obviously now riding is it now the eleven game win streak um, following the win this weekend just gone. Um, Dallas, as we say, probably one of the most impressive in terms of individual team displays over the wild card weekend. Certainly the most comfortable and comprehensive victory out of all the teams that were involved. Can Brock Purdy keep it going? Um, it's certainly the closest in terms of what the bookmakers think, mate. It's only a three and a half point favourite for the. 49ers and obviously home field advantage essentially is, is generally a three point advantage when it comes to the bookie. So really they're only separating them by half a point just on on actual sort of teams lining up against each other. So again, be interested to see what version of Dallas we get. You've already sort of mentioned and touched on that. You kind of know what you're going to get from the 49ers. Um, personally, I think that will be enough because I think this 49ers team is the one to beat and you know, we haven't gone through predictions. We'll probably do that to close out the podcast. But, you know, I think the 49ers probably have got enough to get the job done in this one. But again, a really, really intriguing matchup. Yeah, um, I think there's uh, this is a re- another, again, a really exciting game with a bit of an asterisk because I think they, um, the Cowboys, like you mentioned, they have to show up like they did this weekend against Tampa Bay. Because if they show up like they did in week 18 against the Commanders, this is going to be a San Francisco whitewash. Um, I hope they don't. I hope it is a good game for the sake of, of the league and for the sake of just it just being exciting. Um, I think this 49ers team, one of the best things they are they have is their ability to stop the run. They were second in the league for yards allowed through the regular season with only 77 per game on average. Um, and one of um, Dallas's plus points is their two-headed attack with Pollard and, and Zeke. Um, so if they can take the run away and make Dallas throw the ball, you know they've got a really good secondary, just like they've got a really good roster. You know Jimmy Ward will be licking his lips at that at that thought. And and the, you know and the thing the thing with with San Francisco, if you look at San Francisco throughout the throughout the season, is they've never really like shut teams down, so to speak. Like they've always conceded points. Perhaps not not um, mega mega points in places. You know they they conceded thirty four against the Raiders in week seventeen. Um, you know, and they went on this ten game winning streak, and then obviously they won this weekend. So they're now on a eleven game winning streak, and I think seven of those or eight of those are Brock Purdy. And you can't help but feel that sometimes it, this has to come to an end. This has to end. <laughs> a rookie a rookie quarterback has never played in the in the Super Bowl. This could be the best chance any rookie quarterback will ever get because I don't think a rookie will ever be in a roster as complete as this one with a coach as good as Shanahan is where he can chop and change quarterbacks like he does. You know, he's had three different starting quarterbacks this season and each one of them has their own pitfalls and, and positives and he's getting Mr. Irrelevant. I, mean, I probably shouldn't use that tagline because he's been pretty relevant the last 10 weeks. Um, has, has been sublime in terms of just managing this offense. And we mentioned earlier, you know, when you've got the likes of George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel to throw to, you know, they make it easier for you. And he did miss some, some wide open throws in the first half against Seattle. And you'd think that Dallas might potentially um, punish that a bit more. But this Dallas... 
throwing offense is not as competent as it perhaps has been in the past. Um, and I think if they shut down CD Lamb and maybe um, their tight ends, then I think this could potentially could be a long afternoon for Dallas. Um, but yeah, it's, it, but it's you know I think it's by no means um, it's by no means all wrapped up yet. Um, if Dallas win, it will be the first time they've gone to the NFC Championship game since 1995, which is a which is a duck they're definitely trying to get off their back. Um, so there's a lot riding on this game, and obviously if San Francisco win, they go back to the, the the championship game again for I think the third time in four seasons, which is incredible for this 49ers team. And it does it does all beg the question as well: is 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 Shanahan? A ring away from being one of one of the best coaches in the NFL. I know he already is revered as you know as one of the best, but he hasn't quite got up to the top of the mountain yet. And I think this is perhaps one of his best chances because not only have they got a really talented roster, but for the first time in what feels like about four seasons, they're all healthy for once, with the exception of the quarterbacks. They're all healthy. Hill's <laughs> playing well. You know, uh, Samuel Debo Samuel is playing really well. Their defense, led by Fred Warner, is playing excellently. Like this is the, probably their best shot. Um, and I think it's going to, whichever team they, they, if they get past the Cowboys, whichever team they end up playing in the NFC Championship and then potentially the Super Bowl, it's going to be some real tests for them. Because the one thing with the San Francisco 49ers, just to finish, is I look at their 10-game winning streak and I wonder if they've ever really been tested. You know, you go back through some of those games, Cardinals, Raiders, Commanders, Seahawks, Bucks, Dolphins, Saints, Cardinals. Like, none of those teams are like are like sort of top-tier teams. You wonder if a, you know, a, Cow- a Dallas, certainly a Dallas, a Dallas, a, a Philadelphia, a Kansas City, a Buffalo, a Cincinnati comes into town, all of a sudden that defense is going to get tested a bit more. And Brock Purdy is definitely going to get tested a bit more. Dallas has got some good rushing uh, rushes. You know, Mika Parsons, they're going to be looking to him to have a really good game and to unsettle Purdy. But Purdy's so quick to throw the ball that it might not even matter. So, yeah, going to be a really interesting one Sunday night to round it all off. Yeah, they all look absolute classics, to be fair. They always do on paper, don't they? It is now the best of the best. And obviously, as we always say, the best teams ultimately We'll end up contesting these games. Um, like you said, wildcard weekend, great really from a spectacle point of view, but the divisional round for me really in the last couple of years uh, has really took on that extra significance um, You know, because of, like I said, just the, the sheer quality of the lineups and the matchups that we seem to get when this weekend does roll around. Uh, let's finish off then, mate, with some predictions. I've kind of alluded to some of mine as we've been going through, but Chiefs, Jag, you were Saturday night, which way are you leaning? I think unfortunately it will be the Chiefs. I don't think the Jags have got a, have got a chance in Arrowhead, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. And I'm a big Jags fan, like so. It's a close game, but I think the Chiefs take that one. Eagles, Giants. I'm sure you're going to go with your boys. <laughs> yeah, I am. I think that I think they will get the job done. I think the Eagles' secondary is so much better than Minnesota's, and I think that's where the game's going to be won and lost is on the Eagles' defensive side of the ball. And I think they'll get home to Daniel Jones. I think four or five sacks, maybe a couple of turnovers, and I think that's where it'll be won or lost. It'll be a tight one. It won't be a blowout by any stretch, but I think the Eagles progress. Yeah, I'll agree as well. I do think the Eagles win that one. I think this one's going to be interesting. Bills, Bengals. We might have a, a 50-50 on this one, mate. Which way are you going? Yeah, it's oh, it's a real tough one. I think I think the the Bills will get have enough just to get it done. I think they they'll learn from some of the stuff they got wrong against Miami. I think they'll be a bit better prepared for this Cincinnati team. Um and I think they just about get it done, but Josh Allen has to play better than he did last week. Yeah, I think they both play better. And I've just got a sneaky feeling that the Bengals will get it done. Don't know why. Something's just telling me. I think, like you say, it's certainly a coin flip game, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for the Bengals on that one. And then rounding off the week, mate, 49ers, Cowboys. 
which way are you leaning? Just I, as as much as I actually do think the Cowboys have got a really good chance, um, I think Dak, if he plays the way he did um, on Monday on Sunday night, sorry, they they've got a really really good chance. I just think the Niners are just a bit too much of a juggernaut. I think they they will demolish everything that comes within their path, um, and I think the Niners might actually be the ones that end up going to the Super Bowl. But we'll have that conversation next week. But I think it will be the Niners. But I hope it's a good game for the for the league. Saying I hope it's a good game. I hope it's. Good for the fans, but yeah, if uh, if Dak doesn't show up, this could be a long night for Dallas. <laughs> Must be your worst for case scenario, this, hasn't it? Because obviously everything in your heart will say that you want the Cowboys to lose, but you probably fancy the Eagles' chances more against the Cowboys than the 49ers at this stage. So. Do you know what? With the Cowboys, you just never know. Like the, 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 We've lost against the Cowboys a few times at Link over the last few years. So to be honest, I don't like either of them coming into the Link for the, for the <laughs> NFC Championship game if we get that far. So yeah, it, it's a it's a lesser of two evils. I think the the I, I think I'd want the Niners just because it'll be one versus two, and I think they're the two best teams in the NFC this season. Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, the the Cowboys are no pushovers by no stretch. No, absolutely, mate. Completely, completely agree. Looking forward to it already. Saturday night can't come quickly enough. As I mentioned earlier, keep everything to full 10 yards, social media channels and podcasts, wherever you get them from. Rate, share, subscribe, all that good stuff for us. It really does help. The boys will be allowing the week, like I say, with the, the betting side of things for you. Uh, so if you are having a flutter, good luck. Always gamble responsibly, as the lads will always tell you. We'll be back next week. There's obviously no Monday game, so it may well be that we're back on Monday. It might be Tuesday, we haven't quite decided yet. We'll let you know, though, so keep everything peeled because it will drop in your usual channels. Well, thanks to Steve for... Um, supporting me tonight like say hopefully josh will be back with us next week until then though enjoy divisional round and we will speak to you soon